0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Startup Sutra. Uh, For this episode's idea, we thought that we had discussed water two weeks back. So why not discuss food this time? So in this episode, we'll be discussing businesses uh, regarding food and the food tech industry. So uh, before that, uh, let's talk about the global food delivery industry. This industry is crossing $200 billion mark and is growing at a CAGR of 14.5% and roughly doubling every four to five years. In 2026, it is expected to reach a $465 billion mark. When we talk about India, Zomato and Swiggy are the two names which have majorly contributed to its growth. And as we know, we all understand that uh, household income in India is increasing. The lifestyle is improving. So this industry is surely going to grow further. However, it's all not a bed of roses. There are some downsides to it also. Uh, There are some problems these companies are facing and some issues that are recurring. And we have seen those in the previous few years. They have been cutting incentives for their delivery partners because of which delivery partners have been going on strikes. And we have heard that a lot of time in the news. Even uh, the restaurants are not very happy with them because they offer deep discounts, several offers. And they also charge high commissions, which are at the range of 30 to 40%, which has led to reduction in the margin for these restaurants. And even they don't share the customer information or their numbers with the restaurants. So the brand loyalty or even knowing the customer for the restaurant is not possible. And these problems are not just persistent in India. They are common across the world in US, Europe, and even Asia alike. Two years back, the National Restaurants Association of India had launched a campaign called hashtag logout campaign to protest against these aggregators. So given though that we have so many problems that it calls for an idea, a new business, which can act as an anti-food delivery app. The idea, the first idea of this episode called Snack Pass started in 2017 And it started out of a need because of slow food delivery and expensive food delivery, even for people when they're ordering very small items. So it started in Yale University initially, uh, their head office located in San Francisco, California, as of now. And in 2019, they had 75% penetration rate in 11 universities where they operated. Right now they boast about very high margins because It's not a food delivery app. In this app, what you do is you order your food and then you go pick up yourself. So the delivery cost is reduced. There's no delivery cost there. The discounts can be higher. And uh, even the customers can uh, have a loyalty towards their uh, restaurants from which they are ordering because it brings back that social connect element. This app also launched a loyalty program which was based on uh, the respective restaurant itself wherein if you order let's say five times from a restaurant you get a free coffee from them again getting back that customer loyalty thing and also making the restaurants happy what do you think about this idea
1: i really love this concept uh, because of multiple reasons so first thing is that the commissions of these food delivery apps have been increasing dramatically over the years and because of that today uh, these restaurants have to pay anywhere between 30 to 40 percent commissions to these companies so it's a win-win situation or a win-win solution for everybody. So on one hand, you are reducing the, uh, you know, load or the financial load on these restaurants by charging them less commissions. Secondly, what you're doing is that instead of giving the money to the food delivery apps, you are kind of splitting the money between the restaurant and the consumer. So because the consumer is going himself or herself to the restaurant to pick up the order, hence they are able to get these discounts. And the third interesting thing that I like about Snackpass is that their focus on universities in the beginning and how they utilize the, so, uh, the social element of it. So uh, if you look at Snackpass, basically they have this coupon sharing uh, system where you can share those coupons that you have earned or those discounts that you have earned with your friends. So uh, because of that, it adds that another layer of, you know, social interaction, which I think is a very interesting strategy especially for college communities because uh, word of mouth is probably the best way to grow inside uh, a university or a college campus, right?
0: Right, exactly. That's what I was going to mention that not just giving a tangible advantage to the restaurants by providing them repeat business through their loyalty features. They have a social feed also wherein you can see what your friends are buying, where they are going out to the restaurants. And even you can see if they are, you know, uh, giving out their uh, loyalty points or these reward points to someone else, which again becomes kind of a, you know, a gossip thing to do and creates a network effect for them, a network marketing effect.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, What you can do is probably partner with NRAI and they will help you promote your uh, anti-food delivery app because right now they are frustrated with all these, you know, food delivery companies. And another problem is that these food delivery companies today are not sharing their data. So another thing that has happened is that now the restaurant owner is unable to access his or her own restaurant's data because now it has become a proprietary data for these food delivery companies. Right. So all right, let's move on to the next idea, which is also a very interesting idea that we found out. Uh, so uh, let me give you some uh, you know background to this entire story. So in uh, November of 2020, Mr. Beast launched his own burger brand called Mr. Beast Burger. So initially he started off with 300 locations. So right off the bat, they were opened up in 300 locations. And today, within 1.5 years, they have grown to 1,600 locations across the U.S. Okay. Similarly, then there's another celebrity by the name of Mariah Carey, who has her own uh, cookie brand called Mariah Carey's Cookies, which delivers across 30 cities in the U.S. So all these brands that are popping up uh, from these influencers are actually being run by one company, which is called uh vdc or virtual dining concepts and this is a very very interesting company uh, because their model of growth is by utilizing influencers uh, rather than you know building their own brand organically so uh, just as they partner with mr beast they have also partnered with other celebrities like mariah carey and others another interesting concept that they uh, launched was tiktok kitchen so uh, last year they partnered with tiktok and launched their own TikTok kitchen, which was to be promoted by the different influencers that are on TikTok. So by, so by this way, they are not relying on one influencer alone to create a brand, but instead they have created a, you know, community wide or a platform wide brand. So maybe a cloud kitchen for a particular platform like TikTok. So this company has raised about $20 million. And even with this small amount of money, they have been able to grow this fast purely on the basis of the audience or the community that these influencers bring right what do you think
0: that is right right i think it's it's become a journey of an influencer to uh, make their own brand or to launch their own brand in partnership with someone who can help uh, totally you know handle the back end thing and this is like a kind of an influencer journey which most of the influencers are doing right now they do the ads And then later they are launching their own brands by their own names, using their own audience.
1: And for them, it makes sense because they basically are influencers or content creators and their primary focus is towards that. And they don't want to deviate from that and get into, you know, building a brand or building a business. So that can be kind of outsourced to these companies. And for them also, it makes a lot of sense because they are able to leverage that audience and grow very, very quickly, right?
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: So what do you have next for us?
0: Okay, the next idea, building upon the Cloud Kitchen idea, Uh, we have a company named Just Kitchen, which was launched in 2019. And it is a very unique take on the franchising model in this on-demand delivery era. They have right now around 16 brands under their umbrella And their franchisee model is kind of hub and spoke model. What happens here is whatever major preparation or initial preparation of the food or of the raw material they do, that is done in a hub kitchen, which is a big kitchen. And then they uh, dispatch all these raw materials, which are to be given just final touch in their franchisees, in their cloud kitchens, which are the spokes or the spoke kitchen for this model, from where delivery could be done in that particular region which is very close to that spoke kitchen and the de- delivery timings could be reduced to half also so very interesting idea here and brands that they select which would be serving through those spoke kitchen depend upon what is more frequently ordered in those areas while the hub kitchens they serve most of most of their uh, you know they serve mostly for uh, research and development and high-level production of the uh, product. Now, in this idea, Just Kitchen, what is doing right now? They are actually franchising the spoke kitchen operations to several other companies. And what they do is they handle all the operations, major of the operations. They provide them with their software. They provide them with their branding. They do the marketing for them. Even the packaging they provide them with, recipes are from the company itself and they even provide some of the management to help run their daily operations and even their delivery partners are again just kitchens itself so a company can rightly own a franchise for a spoke kitchen from just kitchen which uh, operations and the training will completely be provided by just kitchen itself with this what they are doing is uh, this market has very low margins with this model they are trying to increase the profitability and also cut the delivery times by half, very interesting idea, something which could be implemented. I would say globally. What do you think?
1: I think this can be very easily grown in India as well. So uh, food, uh, you know, organized food market is growing in India. First of all, secondly, the cost of owning a physical restaurant versus the cost of owning a cloud kitchen are very drastically different. So it costs you as low as one third or one fourth of the cost of a physical restaurant to own a cloud kitchen. Okay. So anybody who wants to get into the restaurant business can get in at a much lower cost. Secondly, because of this, what has happened is that a lot of people are actually getting into it. And what that has created is a problem of oversaturation. And because of that, only smart, uh, you know, business models or smart concepts will now be able to be successful. And for that, if you have a big company that is providing all these services, you know, they are creating the brand, they're creating the recipes, they're doing the marketing for you. So that, you know, reduces the burden on you. So all you have to do is, you know, follow your passion, which is to run a restaurant, to cook food. So you can focus on that and, uh, you know, delegate all those other responsibilities to other people, right?
0: Right. A great model, I would say,
1: and it does increase, you know,
0: the per square footage, uh, I would say revenue or the profits for the market. And India, I would say, is very ripe for such a market or for such a growth.
1: Another interesting thing is that from that same kitchen, you can run multiple food brands, so you can get multiple food exactly. franchises from the same location. And that will also increase the you know uh, revenue per unit uh, exactly. or per square foot of the kitchen. Right. All right. So let's move on to the next idea, which is also a very, very interesting concept. And I love this particularly because of my love for sustainability and how the environment is being harmed and if we can find some innovative solutions to that and this is one of them so this company is called incredible eats which was founded by dinesh taripalli and he actually appeared in the 13th season of shark tank us and he raised 500000 dollars from lori grenier for 12% stake in his company so what incredible eats does is they are focusing on creating edible uh, you know utensils or cutlery as an alternative to plastic, uh, you know, single use plastic uh, utensils, which are usually thrown away and end up in the environment. So currently they are uh, starting off with edible spoons. And that is what he pitched uh, on Shark Tank as well. So they follow both B2B as well as B2C model. So they are selling directly to shop owners. Uh, So suppose ice cream, uh, you know, chains or ice cream uh, locations and other such uh, food locations that might require you know spoons on a regular basis and now they are adding straws uh, spokes, chopsticks so you can eat the chopsticks after eating your noodles uh, knives even bowls so and why this makes a lot of sense is because the sheer amount of plastic that is ending up in the environment so according to an estimate 40 billion plastic utensils are you know dumped in the environment every single year And even if you can remove some percentage of that from the environment, I think that would make a major impact, right? What do you think?
0: Exactly. I think uh, even in India, this could be uh, outsourced to a chart shop. They can easily pick up this. And the brands that are there coming up in India, Haldiram and Bikanewala, they would be ready to scoop up this idea and use these utensils. It's it's a sustainable thing. And when sustainability comes in, you don't... uh, I don't know about other companies, but I think you should not uh, worry about the cost because you are actually making an impact also. And that really adds to your brand value too.
1: Yeah. And another thing that they can do is probably use this as an advertising tool as well. So obviously if you're right. using something like this, it will generate a lot of positive PR for you. First of all, right. secondly, you can use those spoons. And so maybe you could have, you know, food grade printing on those spoons that could uh, advertise your company's brand. So maybe you have Haldiram's written on that edible spoon. So that could also act just like you have, you know, printed uh, food packaging. You could have printed edible spoons. So there are a lot of interesting uh, ways in which you can, uh, you know, start promoting such sustainable products in the business, regardless of the fact that they are, uh, you know, slightly expensive or maybe a little more than that expensive compared to plastic alternatives. Totally agree. Totally agree to that.
0: Okay, moving on to the next idea. Uh, Our next idea is related to automation and robotics. We know that uh, automation is going to take over a lot of jobs in the next 10 to 15 years. And there's a company called Piestro, which is actually creating robot vending machines, which make pizza within three minutes at a fraction of cost. So with that, you have very low labor cost you have high quality ingredients, you can have high precision and it drives the profitability from say 20% to 50%. It could grow to two to three uh, times easily. And even these robots can operate 24-7. So your chain is going to be open for 24-7 if you work on that. So I think these kind of ideas are going to prop up very uh, common are going to be very common now. Piestro right now is in development stage and it is a crowdfunded startup in their last uh, crowdfunding uh, round they had raised more than six million dollars last year and they're currently uh, is still in a uh, crowdfunding phase and people can really uh, you know contribute or invest in the startup and even while they are in the development phase they have raised like 580 million dollar worth of commercial contracts from businesses and it's really going to benefit uh, the you know the companies who are going to use this because they can make high quality products with very high precision it will reduce their uh, labor cost it will provide them with better estimates so operational costs will also come down and even with this they can use good quality or better quality
1: ingredients what do you think okay so first of all there is there is a significant shortage of labor in the western markets People don't want to work these long hours, these grueling jobs. So it makes a lot of sense for these companies to, you know, shift to food making robots. Another thing is that products like pizza are very standardized foods. So you can, you know, specify exactly what is the diameter of the dough going to be, how much cheese you have to put on top, how much sauce you have to add. So all that can be calibrated. And with that, you can have a very high level of precision, which is, Uh, You know, you can't have that kind of precision with human labor and because of that the chances of error are reduced and because of that you can, uh, you know, save a lot of money uh, on the wasted food products or the wasted uh, raw material that might have happened due to human labor. So it makes a lot of sense uh, for say, you know, large pizza brands like say Domino's or Pizza Hut to start incorporating these robots and that is how, you know, I think automation is actually going to happen. So first, right. you know, the menial jobs are going to go and uh, the people are slowly going to move into more sophisticated job roles, which are more service oriented, right? Right. All right. So let's move on to the last segment of the episode, which is also uh, kind of futuristic, where we are going to talk about plants, plant-based protein alternatives. So alternatives to milk, alternatives to eggs and alternatives to meat. So an interesting thing is happening is that in the asian market there has been a significant uptick in uh, plant-based protein products and that has primarily been backed by plant-based milk and egg alternatives so think of countries like india where a majority of the population uh, you know consumes vegetarian food even though there are a lot of non-vegetarian uh, f- food lovers in the country Still, the share or the proportion of non-vegetarian food or meat in their diets is not as high as compared to the Western markets. And this is a major problem in India. There is a major shortage or lack of protein consumption in the population across the country. And that is why a lot of interesting things have also been tried. So, for example, government tried pushing eggs early on in the Indian uh, you know mindset by creating these very catchy tunes like andega funda and things like that. And all those things were actually created to promote eggs. And because of that, the uptick in egg consumption in the country was incredible. So similarly, there are a lot of alternative, you know, opportunities in this space where people who want to consume extra protein or more protein, but they are not, you know, interested in consuming meat or non-vegetarian food. So, One interesting company that I saw is uh, New Milk. So this also appeared on uh, Shark Tank and it raised $2 million from Mark Cuban. And what it does basically that it it has created a vending machine for nut milk. So nut milk, uh, consider things like almond milk or cashew milk. So all these products are available in a vending machine and you can get, you know, freshly squeezed or freshly pressed uh, nut milk on the go from those vending machines. And now what they have done is basically they have created a home version of that. So a tabletop version where you can, uh, you know, freshly squeeze uh, nut milk at your home itself. So I think this is a very interesting, uh, you know, way of promoting milk alternatives. So lactose intolerance is a major problem across the world. Even in India, 60 to 65% people face lactose intolerance. That is why they can't consume milk or they get various health problems. So for them, it makes a lot of sense to consume, uh, you know, these plant-based milk alternatives. Additionally, uh, according to Kerry, which is a global nutrition company, it identified India as a potential market for plant-based food. It found that 63% of Indian consumers are willing to buy plant-based foods regularly and 60% of them are even willing to pay, pay a premium for it. So people are willing to pay extra for plant-based protein. And that is why uh, another company that you might have heard of is Oziva, which creates plant-based, you know, clean nutrition products like, uh, you know, plant protein, pea protein uh, and other products. And this company has raised $17 million in uh, two funding rounds. Another interesting company is Evo Foods, which is an alternative to egg and which has recently raised 6.2 crores in a pre-seed round. So even though they are not actually in the market yet, they were able to get money for their idea because of the sheer amount of opportunity and scale that can be achieved even in the Indian market. So while people think of plant-based meat or plant-based, you know, egg alternatives as a very futuristic concept, which might uh, might not take off in India, but still there is a huge demand for uh, plant protein especially milk alternatives and egg alternatives right what do you think
0: right i can vouch for that i being i have used oziva products and i like those and i can really vouch for those products which are actually plant-based and you really actually feel the difference in your diet when you consume those and i believe going in future their usage or their requirement is going to increase for sure